Hey, welcome to the continuation of our Summer at Trinity series. More on that in just a moment. Uh, but first, as always, I love looking into the camera and welcoming everybody who's with us right now online, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or our online campus, however, whenever. We want you to know that we love you, um, and you're always welcome to come join us back in the room. But until then, uh, you are still a major part of our church, and we are grateful that you are joining with us today. Uh, so how about a church family? Would you welcome your church family online right now? Yeah, welcome today. Glad you're with us. Uh, before we dive into the continuation of our summer series, um, if you haven't already, Pastor Erica just told you to do this, but download the app. Everything Trinity Church is right there at your fingertips. The connection card is what I want to just touch on briefly. Uh, if you're new around here, the best way for us to get to know you is for you to let us know that you're new. Um, and when you felt the connection card, we don't come knocking on your door. We don't show up unannounced. Uh, we simply want to send you a free gift and let you know of some clear next steps here at Trinity Church. Church, and I'd love for you to do that. But also, uh, we are a praying church, uh, and prayer is a major part of what we do. And if you have a prayer request, whether it's big or small, not only after the service can you come down and meet one of our prayer partners, but every week by name, if you let us know on the connection card your prayer request, you will be prayed for. And I would just encourage you, if there's anything going on in your life, we would love the opportunity to join with you to join with you in prayer. Um, and also today, you saw as you walked in everybody, but today we celebrate baptisms here at Trinity Church. Aren't you excited about that? That's awesome. Several people will be baptized after the 11 o'clock service today. And some of you in the room online, you know your next step. You've given your life to Jesus. You know your next step is to publicly declare your faith and be water baptized. Today can be your day. Why didn't bring anything? We got you covered. When well, none of my family is here, we have professional videographers that will video the whole thing. You can send it out. There is, we have taken away every single excuse. Today, you can leave here wet and be water baptized. Now, as soon as you walk out of the doors and, and you're online, you need to get to church during the 11 o'clock hour and we'll baptize you. Um, but if you have questions about this, you wanna to talk to somebody about what this really means, baptism is the outward expression of the inward commitment. Does it save you? Nothing special about the water. It is the act of declaring in front of your church family and going public with your faith. And that is the first step of baptism. So as you leave, our team will be there to greet you in the lobby. You'll see it there, answer all the questions that you have. And today we will celebrate baptism. Okay. If you haven't already, um, get your sermon notes out. Um, I have missed, I'll be honest with you. I've taken some time off this summer and I have missed being with you, but our pastors have spoken, our, my friend Brian Bigger, our week of At The Movies. I know God has been doing some amazing things in our church so far this summer, um, but I come back from a vacation, back from being off the pulpit, that's what we used to say when I was growing up, are you back in the pulpit, like back on the stage? Um, and I come today locked and loaded. So preaching is a two-way street though. Preaching is, hold on, preaching is a two-way street. I'm gonna bring my best, but I'm gonna need your feedback today. Are you with me, somebody? Amen. Well, we can do better than that. Are you with me, somebody? The, the better you respond, the better I'll preach, and the faster it will go, I, I promise you. Um, but here's what I'm gonna try to do. Um, our, the first two weeks of June, I, I did a mini-series, or two weeks in June, answering the question, um, how do you discern God's will for your life? Like multiple opportunities, how do you know which door to walk through? 
Uh, today and next week, I'm gonna try to answer another question that I get asked all the time, especially the last 18 months, I've asked this question weekly. And it's the question, are we living in the end times? Aren't, aren't you thankful you came to church today? Like, are you living in, in the end times? Now, I did answer this question last year, asking for a friend series. Obviously, I didn't do a good enough job because I still get asked this all the time. But I'm going to try to break it down for you and give you a different, different approach to it. Um, but here, here's my goal. We know that there's lots of chaos happening in our world. It, it's, it's crazy. The season in which we're living in, I believe, and we'll talk about this in a moment, feels like the world is pregnant. It, it, we're experiencing the labor pains. Uh, we, we are right there. I, I really do, do believe that. But it's important for us. I'm going I'm to help some of you today. It's important for us as people of God that as we watch the news and as your friends and your family members send you YouTube videos to watch constantly, I'm helping people today. Like you, you need to watch this and you need to read it and listen to it with a biblical lens. Because here's what's happening in the church. This is what I'm very afraid of. I talk to believers who believe this is the end times and they have all these charts and dates and they, all these conspiracies and everything else that's happening and people are living in fear. How many of you know that our God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind? So we are not people of fear, regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of this, oh my goodness, no, 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 no. We rise above, we rise above. We are people of, of faith. So. As you read it, in the Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus talks a lot about the end times. There are two major themes that kind of just surface. Every time you see it, there's two things. And today, I'm going to give you one, and next week, I'm going to give you, give you the second dynamic. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is talking about the end times. If you're really interested in this information, uh, there's a parallel passage, which is Luke 21. Jesus is just a different perspective, Luke's perspective. Of it. I, I would encourage you to, to, to read it. But this is what Jesus says. At the end of times, when all this is happening, there will be an increase of wickedness. That's us right now. Amen. The world is in chaos. It is turbulent. We all understand that. And here's what Jesus says. That the love of most, talking about Christians, not the love of some, the love of most will grow cold. And as a pastor, that's really discouraging to hear. That at the end, most of the people who claim to be my followers, their love will grow cold. That's point number one. The dynamic is people are going to fall away. But then Jesus says, but the one who stands firm, and so today my goal is to give you the tools of how can you stand firm in the end the one who stands firm will be saved. He continues, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And when, when this amazing thing happens, then the end will come. Amen. What Jesus is saying is that when there's crisis, that God does his best work, that there will be an incredible move of God in the end. Now I know here in America, we don't see that. 
but in 196 nations in the world today, the gospel is increasing in 176 of them. America is not one of them. We are shrinking. Pastor Brian last week, if you missed that message, you need to go back online and watch it. He, he laid out the statistics that we are closing more churches than we are opening. We're not keeping up a population growth. America is becoming a post-Christian nation. But I mean, here's, here's what we do, friends. We, we read the Bible through our American culture. Well, I'm not experiencing that here, so this one, no, no. There, there is an incredible move of God that is happening across the world today. Amen. I, I came across some statistics this week and I literally fell out of my chair. But if you, all the churches that report, so this isn't all of them, but the churches that report, their yearly budget and how many baptisms that they had this last year, do you wanna know what the average cost of baptism in America is today? Of what it costs the American church to baptize one person? $1.5 million. If you add the operating budget of a church up and how many baptisms, that is the average in America today. We have a major problem, major. I hope, that, I hope you feel the weight of that. And, and I hope you understand what God is doing at Trinity Church is unique. We, we're not average, we're way better than average. Like what God is doing here is not normal. But the average baptism in America will cost the church $1.5 million. In Africa, $200. There is a move of God across the world and we don't see it because we're stuck in our bubble or in our American society, our American subculture, and we read everything through. Like, well, it's not happening here, so it can't be the end. No, no, no. God is doing an amazing thing in the world. You need to know that. So here, here, here are the two dynamics. Write them in your notes. The first one is there's a danger of Christians falling away. We're gonna talk about that today. The danger of Christians falling away. And in the second dynamic that we'll spend the majority of next week talking about, there's an opportunity of non-Christians getting saved. Opportunity of non-Christians getting saved. Go back to our theme verse, verse 12, Matthew 24. Jesus says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, talking about Christians, will grow cold. So the question is like, why? Why do you think that is? Here's my thoughts. They're not in your notes, you can write them to the side, but I think the reason why this is true is because people right now, they're just distracted. They're just distracted. All the information that we have today, we've never had it before, on our fingertips, every channel, every news, whatever, and we are just constantly absorbing information. And most of it's not helpful. And as we constantly just absorb all the information, you know what it's doing to most of us? It's just making us distracted. Trying to have all the answers for every little thing, share all this, like, people are distracted today. The second reason I think this is happening is people feel depleted. There's an emotional weight to this. You walk around, suicides are on the rise, everywhere, depression off the charts. You, you take away the physical connection of people, no surprise there. But when people get out of the habit of going to church, there's no surprise where they're just depleted. I don't know about you, but when I come together with other believers, I lift up the magnificent name of Jesus. Not only, not only is there this moment that I connect with him, but connecting with other believers, there's just something that it does in my soul. Something rises up on the inside. You need it. Hey, parents, 
Your kids need it. But if we don't have that, no surprise why depression, emotional baggage is on, is on the rise. And here's, here's the third thing, and this is where I've caught myself over the last 18 months, but I just think people are discouraged. Can I be, can I be honest with you? I, mean, I should be honest with you. I am a pastor and this is church. Um, but over the last 18 months, I, I have caught myself like throwing the major pity party. I, I can't believe that things can't go back to normal and oh my goodness, I just catch myself complaining, discouragement, living in my little self. Like if you were to see Jared, like where Trinity Church was going before everything happened last year, like you know how many times like I would come and preach in an empty room and then I'd watch myself back on Sunday morning with all of you and like look at my wife, like this is awful. I'm going for a run. I'm going to jump in the canal. I'm never doing this again. Like they need to hire somebody else that's better than me. Like all this self-doubt and worry. And literally in the middle of last summer on a run after watching church for the 15th millionth time that felt like, I, I tell my wife, I'm going for a run. I'm out of here. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. In that moment, like the Lord did something in my life. When I was walk, running the canal, I just kind of stopped. The Lord stopped me in my tracks and I'm throwing myself a little pity party, complaining about everything that's going on. And I hear the Lord say, what if this lasts for five years? What if this lasts for 10 years? What if there is no normal or we're not going back to normal? What if that happens, Jared? Are you gonna quit on me now? You're gonna quit on me then? And, and I just decided on that run, like I am not a quitter. God has called me for this moment. And I'm not going to lead in fear and worry and self-doubt. Like, I know who I am in Jesus. I know what he's called me to do. I'm not going to live in discouragement. And, and I'm telling you, I, I came here today to tell you, I came here today to tell you that you have a choice to make. That you can live here in distracted, depleted, or discouraged, or you can make a choice and rise and rise above. A couple weeks ago, we're flying back from Boston, and it was a cold, dark, rainy morning, and the captain comes on, and he says, hey, it's going to be a little bumpy on our way out of Boston this morning. Make sure those seatbelts are extra snug, right? You're tying them in. Amanda and the girls are a few seats ahead of us. Grace and I are behind. I'm an, flying does not bother me at all, but he was right. We started that ascent, and as before we got to those clouds, here, like the wind and the rain, like it was bumping, and you hear this like big turbulence, and I grab you know, as quick as I can, and Grayson looks at me and goes, are you okay? And I said, don't tell your mother, <laughs> I'm fine. Like, I'm <laughs> sure enough, all this turbulence, all this disruption, all this chaos, and as soon as we broke through the cloud barrier, bum you are now free to move about the cabin. Hey, hey, Christian, Trinity Church, you have a decision. You can live beneath the clouds, experience all the chaos, all the disruption, and all the turbulence that is happening in our world. I'm not minimizing that at all. Or you can make a decision to rise above, bum, I have given you a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. You have a choice to make, which is why I love when Jesus says in Luke 21, when these things begin to take place, like we're experiencing, it's not a time for us to shrink back. Notice it doesn't say, hoard everything you can. It doesn't say that. You can't find it in scripture. Stand up. Like, this is your moment. 
Live in fear? Nope, stand up. Stop looking around at everything that's going on. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Ooh, church, I want this so bad for you. This is our moment to rise above. It can be okay even when things are okay. So how are we gonna do, how, how can we be encouraged? There, there's three things I wanna share with you today. These are not original with me. Every pastor over the last 18 months is preaching sermons like this because everybody's asking questions like this. So Chris Hodges, Andy Stanley, uh, Rick Warren, I just have devoured their messages and I've come up with my three from them that I wanna pass on to you today. But how can we be encouraged in the middle of everything that's happening? Here's number one, you just need to know. Here's why, because we're going to heaven, everybody. <laughs> we're going to heaven, we're going to heaven. You know, over the last year, done a dozen or so funerals, and I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I would rather do a funeral than a wedding. Um, and you that are getting married in the next year, I'm sorry about that. Like, I, I would rather do a funeral because, you know, weddings, everything has to be perfect and detailed and everybody's stressed out and all this money's being spent. But at a funeral, people just want some encouragement. People just want to be ministered to you. And every time I prepare for a funeral, I keep on going back to this idea of this is not all that there is. That we will see our loved ones again. That there is a place called heaven and we're invited to it. And those who go through the blood of Jesus will experience our eternity there. Like that, I can't encourage people with that all, enough. That heaven is not our home. We're just passing through that our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Yeah. No, no, I know. Yeah. I don't get a lot of amens when I speak like that. Because this is what people want. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. But I want God to fix everything now. <laughs> like here. Why can't he fix all of this like right now? What I'm going through, I want him to fix it. How come? You know, Jesus never promised that. He never promised that he would fix our earthly problems. In fact, when the disciples would go to Jesus and say, hey, we're bringing this issue, Jesus would do the ultimate redirect and he would say, yeah, 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 that's real, but let me talk to you about heaven. A place that's so much better than anything you'll experience here. The problem is we don't believe it. You, you go to the third world countries where the gospel is expanding like crazy, in worship services, all they sing about is heaven. It's so much better than living in a hut. It's so much better than having to go walk two miles and get our clean water. And here in America, I'm not shaming America, I'm glad, proud to be an American, but we have it so good here compared to the rest of the world, we don't really believe that heaven is better. God, just fix everything here. Just, I wanna experience the best life now, which is why, Paul comes along in 1 Thessalonians, he talks about the end times, says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Continue, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. You say, well, why? I don't know why. God just decided to do it that way. Like he just, if you die before we do, like you get to go to heaven first. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. He continues and he says this, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. This is the Latin word raptir, means rapture. This is where we get the idea of rapture of the church. Caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hey, I came here today to encourage you that heaven is better. In fact, I've said this a bunch since I've been your pastor, but now it's a main point. I want you to write it down. You got to believe this, that heaven is better than Arizona. It is. I, I want you to believe that so, so deeply. I, I talk to young people like, yeah, but the Lord needs to come back after I go to college, after I get married. And then once you get married, you're like, Lord, come back as soon as you can. I, like, we don't believe it. Heaven is better. Jesus says this, or actually John says this, his revelation from Jesus, he will wipe away, this is heaven, every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And this is what he says. He who is seated on the throne, talking about Jesus, Jesus says, I am making, say it with me, everything new. Then he said, you can write this down. You can take it to the bank. This is trustworthy and this is true. Regardless of what's happening on this earth, all the turbulence that we're experiencing, make the decision. I'm going to rise above and I'm not going to live this life just for this life. I'm not going to put all my hope and all my treasure and all, uh, store up everything on this earth. I'm not, I'm, you make the decision, you're not going to do that. Because this, this place is temporary. It's a, it's a vapor compared to eternity in heaven. We are going to heaven. Here's the second part, write it down. We are not going to suffer the wrath of God. We are not, as Christians, going to suffer the wrath of God. There is a thing in the Bible called the tribulation. It's a seven year period, you can read it in Revelation. I would encourage you not to read it before you go to bed. I would also encourage you not to watch a weird YouTube pastor try to describe, and maybe you consider me a weird pastor, so I don't, or a seminary student trying to like come up with a project. No, no, no. There, there is a real thing called the tribulation, seven years, three and a half years marked of peace and prosperity in the last three and a half years of God's judgment and wrath being poured out. It's a real thing. This is my view. You're welcome to disagree with it. A lot smarter people do disagree with me. They're wrong, but they do disagree. <laughs> I do not believe that we will be here to experience the wrath, the wrath of God. Let me show you why I will teach this. Romans chapter one, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people. Who, who does that come on? Those who suppress the truth, suppressors of the truth by their wickedness. Five chapters later, same thought going on, Paul says, since we who have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? There's a real thing of God's wrath and judgment that will come on this earth. But because we've been justified by the blood of Jesus, we will not go through that. It doesn't mean that we won't face persecution, we promise that. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna face hardship and trials. 
Paul says to count it all joy when you go through all these trials and circumstances like some strange thing is happening to you. Now we're going to experience difficulty, but because of who we are in Jesus, we will escape the wrath of God. You should be encouraged by that. Which is why we get verses like this. Paul continues his train of teaching on the end times. Now brothers and sisters about times and dates, we don't need to write this to you because that's what everybody wants to know. When's God coming back? Tell us the time, tell us the date. We don't know, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It will be a surprise. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now, I have three kids. I did not know the time or the hour that Amanda was going to give birth to those kids. But about the seven month mark, I look at my wife and I'm pretty certain something needs to come out of there, right? Like, it, like she can't hold this baby forever. You wanna know what's my opinion of where the world is today? We're pregnant. The end is near. We don't know the time or the hour but the time is near. It says this, but you brothers and sisters, you're not in darkness. So this day, it's not gonna surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, he died for us so that we will, whether are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, he just tells us to encourage one another again and build each other up just as in fact you are doing now. We will not suffer the wrath of God. So here's your point. For those who know God, what we're experiencing here, this is as bad as it gets. It only gets better. Isn't that good news? This is, this is as bad as it gets for us. But since this is true, well, those who don't know God, this is as good as it gets. It will only get worse. Are you trying to scare me, pastor? Yep. Give your heart to Jesus. Don't delay. The Lord will return like a thief in the night and you will suffer the wrath of God. Maybe you've been going your own way, you've been keeping God at a distance. Today he invites you. You can escape the wrath of God. Here's the third point and then I'm done. If those things are true, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down next week, but I believe this with all of my heart, that we are on the doorstep of a great revival. A great revival. Je- Jesus says this, back to our theme verse, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Reading a book on the circular nature, the cyclical nature of American history. 
that every, I don't know, 40, 50 years, and it's speeding up now just with technology, but every, every season we just repeat ourselves. And what we're experiencing today is very similar to the way it was in 1960, 1970. Some of you that are old enough to remember that, you remember the chaos and the crazy. Remember those movies that came out at that point, like, like Thief in the Night? The end is here and people are freaking out. People are stocking everything up. People are believing every conspiracy that they hear. I mean, we're, we're repeating the same thing 50 years later. It was so bad in America. Time Magazine, this was the cover. Is God dead? There's no pulse in America. Churches are declining. People are leaving the church. Is God dead with the hope that it's true? That was their premise. But there was a group of churches in the 1960s that saw what was happening in the world around them. And they decided, nope, not on our watch. They prayed, they fasted, they got on their knees and on their faces and they repented. And they begged God for a miracle. They said, God, would you use us? Would you bring revival to this land? And in 1971, five years after this cover, this was the cover of Time Magazine, the Jesus Revolution. Time Magazine, in this article, read it this week, says this. Uh-oh, I hope you can read this, maybe not. Maybe I can't read it, my eyes are that bad. Go back, okay, Jesus is alive and well and living in the radiant spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans. If anyone, Mark, clearly identifies them, it is their total belief in an awesome, supernatural Jesus Christ, not just a marvelous man who lived 2,000 years ago, but a living God. Some of you are in the room and you're online and you are a direct result of the Jesus revolution. Young people were flocking to full stadiums listening to Billy Graham preach. Hundreds of thousands of people were surrendering their life to Jesus. Stadiums are full. A miracle of God was happening. And Trinity Church, I plead with you. Come on. Let's lead the next Jesus revolution. Let's not be on the sidelines. Let's not be stuck under the clouds with all the turbulence. Let's lead the next Jesus revolution. I close with this verse and then I'm done. But Jesus has asked a question. John chapter 12, now my soul is troubled, my emotional being. Not wrong to have emotions. It's good to have emotions. Your emotions cannot lead you. Like emotional people with feelings, they're a terrible leader and make horrible decisions. You cannot allow your feelings to lead you. But you, but you have them, they're real, recognize them. My soul, my feelings, they're troubled and we see what's happening and we're troubled. And what shall I say? Shall we just pray, God, save us from all of this. Make everything back to normal. We want it to go, just fix everything here and now, fix it. Jesus says, nope. That's what he says, put it up. Nope, I think we're gonna put it up, maybe not. 
No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. 12 months ago, I made the decision on the canal. I am called by God for this moment. I'm called by God for this moment to lead this church. And I'm not gonna pray, God, make everything back to normal. No, God, you've called me. And I'm gonna walk in that today. I don't care what the haters say. I don't care what people on on the outskirts think. I know that I know that I know that I'm called for this moment. My wife and I, we know that God has called us to parent kids in this generation. People say to me all the time, I'm so sorry for what your kids are gonna have to go through. Stop it. Don't say that to me. Every generation's had their problems. Like saying that is like, God isn't sovereign enough to know what we would be experiencing. Like we believe that God has called us right now. Our kids are born in this generation to be world changers for him. We know that. Don't feel sorry for me. We know. Don't come and fix it and save it. I know that I know that I know that I know. I have called for this moment. And Trinity Church, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know that we are called for this moment. That God wasn't done with us. Our best days are behind us. That our best days are ahead of us. And God is going to use us to build the next Jesus revolution. I'm telling you, I feel it. It's here. So how about it? How about it? Let's make the decision. Let's make the decision. We're not going to live below the clouds. Come on, we're breaking through. We're gonna see things from God's perspective. In our best days, even when the world has gone crazy, our best days are ahead of us. By your head, close your eyes all over the room and online. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. And right now, just open up your hands. I'll receive this from the Lord. Lord, you know every person in this room, every person online, they are made for this moment. (laughs) They're made for this. So today, God, we thank you for heaven. Thank you that it's better than Arizona. We thank you, God, that we will not experience the wrath of God. Thank you for that. And thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. Our best days are ahead. They're not behind us. And we are on the doorstep of a great revival. Oh, would you use us? With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed. Some of you today, you know you're far from God. And you'd be honest enough to tell me, say, Jared, I would go through the wrath. I, I've never given him my life. I've never given him my heart. But today, you know you need to. It's very simple. All God's after is a humble heart. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble, but rejects the proud. And today, just start there. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way, for keeping you at a distance, for thinking that I had enough time to figure it out. (laughs) 
Say, today, God, I give my whole heart to you. I hold nothing back. I receive your grace, your forgiveness. Just tell them that right where you are. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm not gonna make you come down front. I'm not gonna make you give a speech. It's not about joining this church. But I just wanna celebrate with you in this moment. And some of you, you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you prayed that prayer as a recommitment. But if that's you, would you just slip up your hand all over the room that I could just celebrate what God just did in your heart and your life? Okay, God bless you and you and you and you and somebody else say, Pastor, today I just prayed that prayer. God bless you all over this room. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for saving people today. Thank you for being kind and gracious to us. We don't deserve it, but you're such a good God. So today, God, as we know the future's ahead of us, we hold nothing back. And as you speak, we continually say yes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen and amen. Come on, church, celebrate those who just said yes to Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer with me, do me a favor. Take out the connection card that's inside your worship guide. Check the box. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus, or maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ. It's the same hassle-free guarantee. Uh, we're not gonna come knocking on your door, but we simply wanna give you some next steps of how uh, to walk with Jesus, and we love nothing more than to partner with you on this journey. And some of you, you just gave your life to Jesus today, and you know your next step is water baptism. You can be baptized today. Um, go to the booth there in the lobby, and we'll answer all the questions that you, that you may have. We do have a thing called the growth track. Today is step three. After this service, go right to the growth track room. We'd love to help you take that next step as well. In church, uh, we're going to continue to worship the Lord right now through the giving of your tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to give back to God today? Yeah. However you do that online, boxes in the back, however you give, thank you for your amazing and your continued um, generosity. Uh, I have a couple quick things that I just want to highlight for you. Um, the first thing is this. Um, next, or in the month of August, we desire as a church, our family ministry team, um, to kind of shift some things uh, back to the way that it was pre-COVID, meaning uh, we have large group time and then we also have small group time every single Sunday um, for our elementary kids. And here's the reason why, we, why we're passionate about that. Uh, our church here, we know God, we find a friend, we discover purpose and we make a difference. That isn't just for adults, that's true for all ages. We want all kids to know God, to worship him, and we want all kids to be in some type of small group. Well, kids can't drive to a small group. So we create small groups on Sunday morning with adult leaders who love them, who check up on them, who, who walk the journey of life, another adult than just a parent. And we desire in August, kind of when schools kick back off, to be able to do that again, to be, create those environments. Now, in order for us to do that, this is where I'm making this plea, there are several opportunities available um, for you to serve. You can see the QR code right here, but actually we have making the step one, one step easier for you. As soon as you leave in the lobby, there's a table, family ministry table. There's balloons on it, you can't miss it. Pastor Julie, Pastor Erica, our family ministry team will be there to answer all the questions that you have. We wanna be able to do this in a proper and an efficient way for you. 
We do believe that in September, or August and September, that the majority of our people will come back. And even in the summer, you look around, we're growing very fast in the summer. We wanna be able to do this the right way. I was told this week that in order for us to do this the right way, which by the way, we do things the right way around here, not the, I almost said something I shouldn't have, not the half, the halfway. Um, we, we, <laughs> you, you get my point. Um, in order for us to do that, it will take 15 new family ministry serve team members. We can do that easily. Amen. Like, I mean, some of you have been sitting on the sidelines and you know, I need to get involved and I need to serve and I need to impact the life of a child. You wanna be a part of a Jesus revolution? Go spend an hour every week with some kiddos. I'm telling you, that'll be the part of, your part of the Jesus, the Jesus revolution. So if that's you, you know you need to do that. Um, as soon as you leave, you can scan the QR code right behind me, or as soon as you leave, go to the lobby. Our family ministry team will be there. Hey, are you gonna help me out with this, everybody? Would, would you help, miss, help us with this? Hey, one more really, really exciting, um, just, just introduction I wanna give to our church family. Uh, last year during our Make a Difference offering, which we one offering we take every year, I cast some vision around this idea that we're gonna start a residency program here at this church, a church residency for, for young leaders who desire to be pastors. And as we grow and as we launch more campuses, we needed to create a leadership pipeline for us anyway. We have five new residents that just joined our team this week. And I'm gonna invite them to come to the stage right now, all over the residents, come on. I'm inviting you to come up the stage, all over wherever you are. Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. I'm gonna highlight them for you. It's amazing. So when we, when we cast a vision to you and we tell you, here's some things, you're like, well, I wonder whatever happened. Well, this is our first round. We already had two residents, Pastor Daniel and Pastor David. We already had two of them. And this is a new wave that started, you started last Monday, right? You fill all your paperwork, you're on the team. All right, so here we go. I have, just raise your hand. This is Daniel Gutierrez. Uh, pa sorry, Patrick Gutierrez, already starting off really great. Um, he, he's serving with our Next Steps area. Um, we have Sam Stockfish serving with our Next Steps area. Sean Bush serving with our Next Steps area. Andrew Nichols, our family ministry team area. And this is Tracy White serving in our family ministry team area. Can we just give them a round of applause? I wanted you to be able to see them, meet them because they're gonna be around. And they are not, let me just tell you this, they are not interns. They have actual roles on our org chart, actual functions. They are learning ministry here. They are on our staff here at Trinity Church. So I would appreciate it, and I'm not appreciate it. Like they deserve your respect and your admiration for the call of God that is on their life. Amen, everybody? It is very, very clear. All right, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet all over the room. I'm gonna pray a blessing over you also pray a blessing over, over our residents. If you're a guest today, my wife and I will be down front for a moment. We'd love to shake your hand, love to greet you, welcome you to church. Um, also, if you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team will be down front as soon as we're over. We'd love to pray with you and we would love to pray for you. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you for these amazing residents. Thank you for their call or your call that is on their life and their obedience to you. I thank you for Patrick, and I thank you for Andrew, and for Sean, and for Sam, and for Tracy. Lord, thank you for bringing them to this moment, for them stepping in faith. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that the best days for their life are right ahead of them. Amen. Lord, thank you for these people of our church. God, what you've done today, Lord, saving people, 
touching hearts. Thank you for what you're doing here at Trinity. And I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, church, I love you. Keep coming back. I'll see you next weekend. God bless you.